to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. And I'm Julie Bender. And Julie, holidays, we're in the middle of them, aren't we? We are. Speaking of traditions, what are the ones that you have done in light of the world of COVID? What have you held on to? Yeah, I mean, I feel like everything in 2020 feels different and some of our favorite things kind of have to shift a little bit. Um, you know, I've I've hated kind of the awkwardness of like, oh, are we doing this party or that party or who doesn't want to come to a gathering because we're afraid of being around people? And I find myself being like, oh, we're still scared of that. <laughs> um, so I think for me, the sad the sad part of COVID for the holidays is some of those gatherings that feel like they shouldn't happen or the tinge of guilt for when you do still do a gathering. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm looking forward to, you know, Christmas morning and you can't, you can't take the joy of Christmas morning with a little boy who has, um, a lot of ideas of what Santa will be bringing him. Oh, I'm quite certain he it does. It keeps changing, which is very awkward because I bought the Santa gift like a month and a half ago. <laughs> so Santa's pretty well set on what he's bringing. Yeah, that's how it happens. Um, for me, I think the biggest thing is, you know, I'm a rebellious person and I have not liked wearing a mask at <laughs> all. And I've always done online shopping, but I am all in on online shopping this year because mm-hmm. I just don't want to go in the stores and have to cover my nose. And I know it's important and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fine with let's all try to protect one another, but dang, I want to breathe while I shop, okay? <laughs> well, I want to drink a coffee while I shop. It's true. And it's like, well, I don't have enough hands to be grabbing the things on the aisles that I need everything and drink my coffee and have a mask. So. Yeah, and slip the mask off at a corner where nobody's around and then put it back on. It's a tough one. Yeah. But I did decide that the holidays were not going to um, be short, or insignificant. So, you know, I started my decorating in early November. Nice. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I, I am going to celebrate. I do not care what anybody says. I am going to celebrate for all I'm worth. Totally. Um, well, I mean, I hope you guys are all still enjoying the festivities to the best of you and your families, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, whatever makes you happy, because, you know, we don't want to lose the joy of this season. So today on the show, we're bringing a new friend. You're going to meet Heather Brown. She's the creator and editor of My Life Well Loved, which is a life and style blog for women. She's a wife and mama to two boys, and her passion is to affirm women to embrace the balance, get their sweat on, enjoy their favorite treats, nurture their relationships, and savor the little things. So Heather, welcome to This Grid and Grace Life. Yay! I'm so excited to be here. Thank y'all for having me. (laughs) Oh, sure. We're excited too. We're looking forward to this conversation. Um, Let's start here. We need a little bit about your family and a little bit about maybe where you live. And let's throw this one in. We're in the middle of the holidays. Give us your favorite holiday tradition. Ooh, that's a good one. So hi, my name's Heather Brown, and you will hear me say y'all a lot because I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. (laughs) I married my college sweetheart, and we met at Samford University in Birmingham. He is, my dad tells me I married a beep Yankee (laughs) because (laughs) he's from the North, which Uh (laughs) 
I'm like, dad, Indiana isn't even really that North. It's more Midwestern, but whatever. So <laughs> that's awesome. And anyway, Eric and I have been married now for 12 years and we actually just got back from Bora Bora. That was to celebrate our 10 year anniversary belatedly. There you go. And two little boys, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And so I'm definitely living in the midst of the two-year-old chaos. Don't get in that. Put your shoes back on. Don't open the door. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So in the middle of juggling your kids, give us a holiday tradition that works. Yes. I forgot about that part. So I would say my favorite holiday tradition, gosh, I have so many, but probably one of my favorites honestly, is just decorating the tree with the boys. I just love turning on Christmas music and watching the boys open the the ornaments and getting so excited and seeing the joy on their face as they open it. And that just makes my mama heart really happy. And I love to dance with them and put them all up. And then we also have a few recipes that we love to do every Christmas too, that I can't wait to make. Awesome. I know I, we, Dar and I kind of talked about our favorite traditions already. And the more we talk about traditions, I'm like, am I allowed to say that my favorite tradition is doing traditions? Can I just cheat and say that? (laughs) (laughs) The whole list, Uh right? Like all the things. Thank you. The end. Bye. (laughs) Well, you only want, oh, now I'm curious. Well, um, you probably don't know anything about me, Heather, but I, um, was married to my college sweetheart and then he passed away. And so I just got remarried. So this is my first Christmas with my now husband. And so we are super excited to just do all of the things, you know, our first married Christmas, we were together last year and we definitely already had the sense that we would end up married. So we kind of started some things last year, but it feels very real, you know, to be doing our first Christmas together this year. So the tree is definitely a big one. We have a lot of ornaments, um, from things that we've already done together in our time together. So I'm, I'm with you on the tree. That's amazing. And I just want to tell you one, that I'm very sorry for your loss. And number two, that I'm also very excited for you to start new traditions with him as a married couple. That's extra special. Thanks. Appreciate that. And what about you? Oh, mine's probably like yours. I, I have a lot, but decorating the tree is a big one because, I, you know, I'm a heck of a lot older than you girls. (laughs) And so I have ornaments from every place we've gone and every life experience. I have to have an, I don't know how tall my tree is now. It gets bigger. It's huge because it's our whole life on a Christmas tree. So, you know, that's probably my favorite because everything is a memory. It takes forever to hang them Mm because you go, do you remember when? And -hmm. go through that exercise for about four and a half hours till you (laughs) finally get all of the ornaments on. Well, we know that your blog is all about balancing all the things that you love in your life, your marriage, motherhood, faith, health. Basically, you seem to have what all of us want. So what we want to know is what is a life well loved? And we want to unpack that on this episode and give our listeners a little boost or a hack in every area of their life. I love that. I'm pretty excited about that. And I do feel like I need to give the caveat. I love the title of y'all's podcast. And I feel like it's so true because even though I, you know, love to the idea of having it all together and mm-hmm. living a life well loved, I truly do believe a lot of it is about balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do not feel like I have it all together at all. But I think that's part of the beauty of living is learning to love and choose the joy in the midst of the mess. For sure. Totally agree. And that makes me feel so much better already. It does me too. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get your best hack 
for all of our listeners' needs um, that we can live that great and grace life, Heather. But let's try to do it in order of importance because we do think we have to prioritize a little bit if we're going to find our life balance. And I do know you, like we do, think faith is probably the most important one. So let's start there. What would you offer to women who want to grow in their faith? Give us a tip on that. Absolutely. So, and I'll be honest with you guys, I really do feel like a lot of times, and this makes me sad to even admit on air and to you guys, but I do feel like, unfortunately, when my plate gets really full, the first thing to slide off, which is, again, I'm so embarrassed to say that, but a lot of times it can be the time that I would typically spend in the word doing my devotion or really kind of, um, setting aside specific time in the day to meet with the Lord and to get the correct heart posture to take on the rest of the day. So one thing that I have just found to be a game changer and truly I could just cry talking about it because the best thing for me that has come out of quarantine is a group of women who are literally my accountability group, my best friend group, my kind of just everything rolled into one. Mm -hmm. And so I think that my best tip would be to choose your friends wisely. When I come with my mess to those girlfriends on, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the Marco Polo app or if I text. Okay, great. And (laughs) tell them (laughs) it's so good. It's so helpful. Um, but anyway, when I come to them with those issues, I know that they're always going to point me back to Christ or have a Bible verse that they can speak to me, or they are going to um, say, well, let me pray for you about that. So I think that choosing your friends wisely and surrounding yourself with godly counsel, I have always desired that for myself, but haven't really truly found it until this year. And I think a lot of that has to do with praying for it. And then like, obviously with quarantine, you know, everyone's lives had to slow down and we all had to you know, almost pick like our quarantine team, the few people that, you know, you would hang out with or what have you. And so I'm just really thankful that the Lord brought that huge blessing to me in the midst of a, of a struggle. Real quick, I guess we should actually say that Marco Polo is a video messaging app. There might be some who are like, wait, I haven't heard of it and I don't know what this is. And I would agree with you during quarantine, Marco Polo was actually huge for me and some of my best friends um, and friends that, you know what, we probably weren't as close until quarantine when we spent all of our time using this free video messaging app and just sharing all the things and encouraging one another. So I think you're right. I think friends um, who share your faith and who know you, you know, at your deepest levels um, are a huge part of growing and maintaining your faith. Well, and I also think that they're, they are the people who can remind you it's okay. It's okay that you're not getting it perfect. It's okay that your prayers are when you're running through the grocery store asking God to help you find what you have to find because you have an appointment coming. So, you know, I think friends are incredibly important to not only encourage us, but to kind of give us a relief valve that, hey, it's okay. None of us have it together. Another thing that I really love doing when I'm running around with a ch- like a chicken with my head cut off is just having a really amazing worship playlist ready to go. Mm-hmm. So I even can send to you guys my link if you want it, but I created a Christian worship playlist on Spotify. And so even when I'm running around doing my errands, I'll make sure that I'm playing that in the car to kind of just make sure to recenter myself and refocus. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't have time 
to, you know, actually sit down and read your word today the way that I want to. So please just let these words speak to me and, you know, use these songs and help me just be able to decompress and get recentered on what's most important. And that's you. For sure. Yeah, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Um, And I actually just want to go back to something you said at the very beginning, um, because I hope that our show is a place that people feel like they can just be honest and real, like you said, that I'm embarrassed to say that, you know, sometimes when I'm busy, which P.S. is all the time, (laughs) that sometimes, (laughs) you know, my faith practices are the things that tends to fall off the plate. And I just want you to know that that this is a safe place, that we're honest here and that, you know, nobody does it all right. And as women of faith, of course, our hearts desire us to put our relationship with God first. But we're also real women who can admit that that doesn't always play out as perfectly as we might think it's supposed to. And God certainly loves us anyway. Amen, sister. I love that. (laughs) Um, With that being said, is there anything that you have maybe been told uh, to try that would, you know, help you grow or, you know, help you kind of stay on better track with spending time with the Lord that you were like, actually, that did not work for me. It did not help me at all. Um, I was thinking about this question a lot because I, I felt kind of overwhelmed with where to start with, with that question when I saw it, because, oh my gosh, duh. It's the fact that I am not a morning person Mm -hmm. at all. (laughs) And so I feel like it's very common that people will tell you, well, the first thing you need to do is get up in the morning and do your devotional or read your Bible app or, you know, do the first five app on your phone. And that way you can start your day out in the right mindset and, you know, open up communication with the Lord. And I just, in my head have always thought like, yes, that's the way I should be doing it. I'm doing it wrong that I'm not doing it that way. But I have come to grips with the fact that I am not a morning person. And so when I do do my devotional in the morning, a lot of times I'm like, what did I just read? And what did that mean? And then I have to reread it 14 times. And then later in the day, after I've had my cup of coffee and my brain is actually functioning somewhat, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I don't even know what was in my devotional this morning. So I have found that typically the best time for me to do my devotional is at if, well, if I have a Bible study during the middle of the day, that's great. But then a lot of times it ends up being before bedtime. And I think that God understands that because he created me to be a night owl. He knows that's in me. He knows I'm not a morning person. So that was a major fail for me when I tried to do that. I'm sure there's somebody else listening. That's good. It's not just me who feels like there, she's supposed to do that and it just doesn't work. So thanks for sharing that. Oh, I'm right there with you, Heather. Mornings for me are... I have to have two cups of coffee to complete a sentence. And her husband has to bring the the coffee to her. (laughs) It's true. He does. He provides it for me. It's all laid out. All I have to do is pour and drink. That's all. And it's really an important function. It's part of our success in marriage that he does that for me. But for me, I wake up and go, good morning, Lord. We'll talk later. That's it. Seriously. I love that. And then we do. We talk later. That's it. I love that. I'm literally going to steal that line tomorrow. (laughs) Like I knew this prayer was coming. (laughs) That's funny. I mean, I think for me, it's just um, letting go of kind of that perfectionist mindset. Um, I worked in ministry for a long time 
And, you know, like you said, like there's this idea of what it has to look like. And I think for me, just kind of taking it all the way back to the basics. Now, I am a morning coffee and Bible person, um, but, you know, I, I kind of a few years ago really just let go of kind of the rigidness of it. And I have to be doing a certain Bible study or there are some who say, don't do Bible studies, just read the Bible. And it's like, sometimes it's a Bible study. Sometimes it's a devotional app. Sometimes it's open the Bible and put my finger down. Sometimes it's rereading the same passages that I'm very familiar with, but I know that they're going to bring me comfort or peace or wisdom. Um, Kind of taking the rules away from it all and just knowing that it's about, you know, centering my heart and my mind on God first, and then trusting that he's going to walk with me throughout the day and letting those prayers kind of come as they need to and not being so worried about it looking the right way. I love that. Okay, we're going to jump on to another subject I know that you talk about on your blog, and that is marriage, okay? Yeah. In a relationship, it's always got its ups and downs and ebbs and flows or whatever they say. Um, But can you give us a tip on how you believe you can keep your marriage alive? And is there something that matters to your husband or that you think really matters to every marriage? Absolutely. I, Eric and I are very passionate about marriage. And I will say that I think that one of the very best things that we did for our relationship was even before we got married, we did premarital counseling with our pastor. And a lot of what I think that he talked about that helped set us up for success was expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think that Eric and I always come back to those two things. It's either expectations weren't met or they weren't stated. So the other partner didn't know. And then number two, we also say that it's always about the little things. So one of the biggest arguments that we got in actually in the beginning of our dating relationship in college was my expectation was, well, Valentine's day is a huge romantic holiday. Of course, Eric is going to go, you know, way above leaps and bounds, everything I could have ever (laughs) dreamed of for Valentine's Day. This is going to be so exciting. And then Valentine's Day came and he was like, happy Valentine's Day. And I was like, (laughs) "Uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) like, where's the roses and the flying unicorn and the (laughs) and the fireworks? I don't know. (laughs) And And so I quickly learned then without even realizing it, that it was because my expectations were a, but I never communicated those expectations to him. And in his family, his parents had always been like, well, you know, Valentine's day is just a commercial holiday. And if I don't make you feel special all throughout the year, then really, what am I doing wrong? If I just shower you with affection and love on Valentine's day, but my parents had always done Valentine's day really big. So to me, those expectations, and then I'll talk a little bit about the little things, uh, really rings true. So do you guys have anything that you would say about the expectations before I move on to the little things? I mean, just when you said it, I was like nodding emphatically, which is where podcasts can leave you lacking. (laughs) But for sure, I do think that's just one of the biggest areas that we can continually get tripped up of, like you said, not communicating our expectations um, is you know, literally impossible. And then also just giving grace because no one's ever going to meet all of your expectations. And some of them are ridiculous to begin with, if we're being super honest. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> and and women don't say it. I mean, we have something in our mind that we think they should know. Okay. The truth is men don't, mm-hmm. they're, they're mm-hmm. not intuitive. They don't just, nothing's nuanced. It's either 
black or it's white. So if you want flowers brought, you might say, you know what, flowers are really important to me. (laughs) And on this day, it would make a big difference in our whole day and maybe even our week if you would just come up with that one. They don't get it. So instead of just expecting them to know how we feel, you're right, Heather, let's, let's just tell them, let's just tell them what we're thinking and then, you know, work it out from there. Absolutely. And he does now bring home flowers every Valentine's Day, which I very much so appreciate. <laughs> there you go. That's yep. awesome. And then I guess to flow into the next thought, I would just say that we have always said that it's the little things. So a lot of times we will do something so little, but we know that it's something that means a lot to the other person. So, and I guess this is maybe even bringing in a third tip, but we are really big into the five love languages and learning about the Enneagram. And so are you guys familiar with the Enneagram? I am. Yeah. Um, And we definitely know it's becoming more popular, but there's definitely people who don't. So maybe just give them just a quick idea of what it is and maybe they can go learn some more on their own. Yeah, absolutely. So the Enneagram is basically think about the Myers-Briggs personality test on steroids, I guess would be the simplest way to put it. So it's a personality test that tells you a lot about how you interact with others, how you view the world. And then like I was listening to a podcast talking about it recently, and he said, basically, we are saying that there are nine different views of the world. So everybody's looking through their own set of glasses to see the world. I am a three on the Enneagram and Eric is a five on the Enneagram. Do you guys know your numbers? I don't. Do you, Julie? I am an eight. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Someone very close to me is an eight. So I appreciate that. (laughs) And I think it's so fascinating to continue to learn about each other. And so I have loved having a personality test because before Eric and I used to always talk about the Myers-Briggs and how we related to each other on that level. Well, now that we have learned about the Enneagram, we'll talk a lot about, you know, well, I know for Eric that something that's very important to him is being able to recharge his battery. That's part of him that I have always just thought like, he's such an introvert and I'm an extrovert and I'm annoyed. I thought we were going to do X and Y and Z when the kids got up from nap today. And instead he's just telling me he wants to sit there on the couch. Well, it's a beautiful day. How could we do that? But instead now I'm realizing that actually is a huge gift to him. If I let this little thing of him telling me I am tired from working and I need to recharge by myself on the couch for 20 minutes by myself, if I can just take the kids outside and go on a walk or play with them for 20 minutes, that little thing is actually a huge thing to him. And so I think it's just being aware of the little things and how they can really impact your marriage from, you know, week to week and day to day and year to year and so on and so forth. Absolutely. Yeah. You, I would highly recommend you check out tools for the Enneagram. I'll pick one and put it in the show notes in case you're wanting to learn more about that. Fabulous. And I've written a blog post about it too, where I explain it. So I'll send that to you too. Um, but for Eric and I, one of the little things, and I just have so much respect for his parents' marriage and they have really taught us a lot about this, but they said that depending on their budget, their goal was either to go on a date night every week or every other week. Mm -hmm. And so Eric and I have definitely implemented that into our norm. So we just talk every Sunday about what the meal plan is going to be for the week. What is our schedule? What soccer games are we shuttling late into? all the things. And then one of the questions that we talk about planning for the week is 
and what night works best for date night. And then I know I can start texting a babysitter and lining that up to make that happen for us. Absolutely. Love it. Well, speaking of kiddos, let's transition into motherhood. What would you say to the mama who has no idea how to get her kid to eat vegetables? Because I know that you, you share a lot about, you know, healthy living and hacks for moms on your blog. So please solve this huge dilemma for the moms. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is a huge dilemma. And I'll be honest with you. I had no idea before, um, Leighton was probably about one and that, so I was probably, I guess like 29 or 30 at this point. So about four or five years ago, Leighton's five, so five years ago. And it's, you see all these things on Pinterest and YouTube and Instagram that make it look so simple. And (laughs) all you do is, you know, cut a veggie in this certain shape or you do blah, blah, blah. And I am here to tell you that it is hard. Mm -hmm. And especially depending on your kids, different issues. Um, Leighton, our oldest one, we did not know this, but apparently in the beginning, he had a far forward gag reflex that did not um, move back as fast as most developing kids do. And that also led to some sensory issues for him with eating. And because of that, he was not staying on the growth chart, which then led us to feeding therapy, which I did not even know was a thing at the time. And led to me feeling like a complete failure as a mom, because I was like, gosh, the most basic thing you're supposed to do is like feed your kid, keep them safe, put them to bed at a decent time. And I can't even feed my kid and keep them on the growth chart. So that was very humbling and just a huge learning curve for me. And I feel like first I should ask, do you guys have any kids that struggled with eating in some way, shape or form? If you feel comfortable talking about that. I mean, I always think that, so I have a son, he's six. Um, I think that he could eat more, but I mean, overall, I wouldn't say he necessarily has struggles besides being a child. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, obviously mine are grown and I actually have a grandson right now who struggles with eating, but here's the, here's something that's a little different for my generation is, you know, I I was okay with giving them Lunchables. Okay. Lincoln has a Lunchable in his lunchbox today and he's very excited. Okay. (laughs) And I was okay with that. I kind of worked, kind of worked around the system a little bit. So I think it's really important that we teach the kids to eat well but I also think you just need to take a little pressure off. So let's start with how did yeah. you figure out how to get them to eat vegetables? And then maybe you could tell us a little bit about the guilt side of it. Absolutely. So I'll start with, I, I'll tell you the tips that I feel like everybody has probably heard and then how they worked for us and how we implemented it and have moved on since then. So I think that number one, um, my the feeding therapist taught me that it's not that Leighton even has to actually ingest it. You are just trying to expose him to tons of different foods. So she said, you know, if he is looking at you like you have an alien coming out of your ear every time (laughs) that you tell him to eat this piece of broccoli, okay, well then he doesn't have to eat it. But what we can start to do is try little things like maybe take the broccoli And if he taps it to his lips, it's getting him used to that sensory touch and at least starting to smell it and bringing it closer to his mouth, then that's a win. So if he taps it to his mouth, he can put it down and then choose something on his plate that he wants to eat. And she said, and then once he finally gets the hang of that, and that kind of feels like it's a no brainer, then the next step will be picking up the broccoli and he has to tap it to his teeth. 
And so I was like, okay, like this is kind of crazy. So now we started to do tapping it to the teeth. And then of course the next step is that they then finally eventually have to take a tiny bite. Um, And I will say that made for, and we still have sometimes very long and excruciating dinners where everybody's done. Everybody's been done. Everybody Mm -hmm. needs to get on with their night. They need to get their lunches packed and we got to get, you know, the school clothes ready for the next day and my work stuff for the next day and all these things. And we're still just sitting there waiting on, you know, this food situation. So then that becomes an anxiety. And then they tell you, but eating should be fun. So make sure you're making it fun. (laughs) And it's like, well, how are you supposed to make it fun when, you know, all these things are going on. And I had so much guilt pulling me in and out from that of like, I want to be a good mom. I want him to eat well. I know that I need to be doing these feeding therapy tricks that take all this extra time, Mm. but then also realistically, how does that fit in my life and my husband's life and our timetable? So it really did just become this kind of like overwhelming thing where every night we were dreading dinner time. And then I got additional guilt from that because as a mama, you're supposed to be having everyone around the table and this amazing dinner time experience. So I will say overall, I think that what I, on the other side of it have learned is that one, we always try to come up with really fun names for our food. So we say like, Oh, we're going to eat little trees tonight for the broccoli or we're eating, um, dino nuggets. And we buy the chicken nuggets shaped like dinosaurs. We just try to do anything to make it more fun and interesting. And then instead of saying like, you're eating applesauce, it's, let's eat some happy apple. So kind of just finding ways to make it more, more fun. And of course you can sneak veggies in their smoothies. You can change the name. And I actually tackled all this whole subject in my busy mom's meal planning ebook. So I can also send a link to that, um, for you guys as well. But yeah, that's a few of my hacks and I'd love to hear y'all's take on mommy guilt as it relates to food as well. Well, I mean, those are all super helpful. I've definitely never heard of food therapy. So I think even just some of those tricks will be really helpful for a mama who really is struggling. And I think, like you said, this is an area that we we know that our job as moms is to keep them fed, loved, you know, sheltered. And if if we're really struggling in this area, it just tacks on incredible um, mom guilt. So I, I like what Dar has always said when we've talked about this issue of the end of the day, they, they have to have food. And if it's not the most nutritious every single time, sometimes we just need to be okay with that. Um, and Absolutely. like you said, just, you know, focusing on lightening the mood a little bit and and not taking away from the experience of it being a family affair. I think that's super important to kind of try to find that balance. And also I think to just a mama to know that they're going to eat eventually. They are. And and ladies, let me tell so you this, right. that there's just keep them alive. Okay. Start there. Keep them alive. That means feed them, let them sleep, you know, keep them safe. But yes. you put so much pressure on yourself when You want them to eat well, but what you really want is you want children who are ethical, who are kind, who don't lie, who, who have integrity, who care for others. That's really what you want. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think when you make yourself crazy on, did they eat broccoli? Organic broccoli. Organic broccoli, whatever, you know, (laughs) that you're going, I want to, I want to just say, take the pressure off moms, Mm -hmm. because when they're grown, they're going to eat broccoli. 
Okay. When there there's peer pressure on food, they're going to probably eat some of the things you've been trying for four years to feed them. What you need to concentrate on are the tools and skill set for them to be healthy, whole adults. Absolutely. I'm like, preach it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> I know. I'm like, um, and if you want more advice from Darlene on parenting, get her book, Raising Great Girls. <laughs> Find the link in the show notes. Oh, it's so good. And it really is like, I'm sitting here like, oh, yes. Oh, I'm feeling a little bit lighter just talking about vegetables. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, I have loved everything that we have talked about. And I think it really kind of comes back to what we originally said we wanted to do on this episode. We all desire to live a grit and grace life that we love. And I think even just coming off of this conversation of some of the guilt we carry, not just as moms, but I think all women carry some level of guilt that's tied to this elusive thing we all want, which is balance. And so as somebody who kind of really speaks to that in the online space, what would you say to um, the woman who feels guilty trying to fit into her already overfilled schedule, time to do things that fill her up, but also maintaining, you know, keeping the ship afloat and doing all the things for all of the people? How, How do you make that happen? Is it really possible? Yes, absolutely. So I, I do speak to this a lot because I feel like I personally struggle with a, a lot. And I want women to hear me say that I think that you are strong and beautiful and capable and loved and perfect covered in Christ's blood. And you are amazing. So to hear what I'm saying, but know that I'm explaining what works well for me. Mm. And if it doesn't work perfectly for you, that is so okay. You're going to find your own thing. Yeah. And I will say that's one thing that taking the Enneagram test has really helped me out a lot with is realizing all the different views that people are coming at it from and realizing how to better um, serve women and or my husband where they are. So one of the things that I have really had to let go of is I now ask for help. And I, before was very much so like, I am strong. I am capable. I can do this. I don't need help. And I, after, this is a long, whole other story, which I can send this to y'all to link as well. But I really struggle with postpartum depression after I had Leighton. And so I really had to learn through that to ask for help and to be vulnerable as needed, which can be really hard for us, especially I think in our culture and as women who want to tackle it all and handle it well. And I also think it goes back to those expectations. So a lot of times when Eric and I are coming into Q4, I love to remind him, hey, babe, I just want to let you know that I'm about to go into a busy season for work. I know that it's going to be crazy. I know I'm going to be up late. I know that means sometimes I'm not coming to bed at the same time with you. I know that sometimes that might mean that I have to say, I can't do date night this week, but can we do it the next week? Or instead, can we start planning a trip that we would go on after Q4 um, at night together over a glass of wine? Um, so I think that realizing those expectations, communicating them to your spouse or whoever else is in your life that's helping you take a load off, and then realizing I am out of balance. So Eric and I are very big in communicating with each other. Babe, I know I'm going to be out of balance for November and the first part of December, but I want you to help me come back into balance at the end of this month. But then last but not least, I think you have to find what fills your cup personally. For me, that is spending time listening to worship music and it's also exercise. 
So no matter what my day looks like, I am getting in exercise. I pencil it in my calendar. I know that I'm working out every morning at 9.30 a.m. And if I can't work out at 9.30 a.m., I'm looking at my calendar and saying, what hole do I have to fit it in then today? Is it four o'clock during nap? Okay, got it. Then that means that I have to work out at home doing a YouTube video. But for me, if I don't get those endorphins and I don't get that release, then kind of like if I don't have my coffee, you don't want to be around me. (laughs) (laughs) Same girl. And I actually love that what you said is it's different for every person. And I think that that's the biggest hang up that we have as women. We're so we're so defaulted to comparing ourselves to every single woman in our life, plus the kajillion women that we see on the internet, which is literally setting ourselves up for failure. And I think that reminder of like, no, do what works for you. And I think even that little hint that you gave us that the more we learn about ourselves, whether it's Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or, you know, um, love languages, whatever the tools are to educate yourself more about who you are and then who those key people are in your circle and in your life, that it really is going to help you be able to to do the things that matter for you. And so I think that that guilt often weighs on us that doing something for me means I'm not doing something for somebody I love and that makes me bad. And it really couldn't be further from the truth. We we definitely trumpet here at Grit and Grace that you cannot be healthy and strong and um, love well unless you're filling your own cup first. So I don't think we can remind our friends often enough that it's okay to to do you and to do some time for you because then you'll be better um, at loving the people that really do matter a lot to you. Very I talk about that so much too. And I so agree with you. I always say you can't pour from an empty cup. And it's, I love that you guys have that same mission that aligns because I just think as mama, so often we get stuck in the like, well, I'm wiping booties and, mm-hmm. you know, wiping noses and running the carpool shuffle. And then we think like, well, I don't have time for me, yeah. but then how is your attitude when you're doing that carpool shuffle? And what is your demeanor like? And how is that affecting your husband and your kids when you're run down and tired? So I just think it's so important to find that little bit of a space where you can pour into feeling more fulfilled as the beautiful and confident woman that you are so that you can love your babies and love your family and love your friends so well. Very true. And one thing I want you ladies to know is some of the things you think will make a huge difference in your child's life or their day that day, they don't remember. You're the one who stressed over it. You're the one who worried that it would alter their entire life. There's a lot of stuff you need to just let go of because it's not important. And as you said, take care of yourself a little bit instead, because then when you're with them, you're really with them. Yeah, You're all in. Well, I love that you've given us so much to think about, but at the same time, you've also kind of given us a little bit of a pass to say, don't think so much about that. And I know that that's what I need, especially during this busy time of year um, and, you know, kind of coming off the the chaos of 2020. I hope this has been a little bit of a sigh of relief for our friends who have listened along. And I'm sure that they're going to want to get to know you a little bit more. So where can our friends find you, Heather, um, on the web? Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on here. I was just honored to get to speak with both of you today and also with your listeners. So I hope that your listeners will connect with me a little bit further over at mylifewellloved.com or they can find me on Instagram and Instagram stories at at mylifewellloved. I hang out on Instagram stories pretty much all day, every day. And I also, of course, have Facebook and Pinterest and Twitter and 
all the things, YouTube, mm-hmm. but mylifewelllove.com and my Instagram are where I'm most present and active every day. Well, we will make sure to put all of those links in the show notes so our friends can find you and follow along. Heather, it's been an honor to get to know you better on this episode of This Grit and Grace Life. And I've learned a lot about who you are. And truthfully, it delighted me. Oh, well, that's so kind. Thank you guys so much for having me. (laughs) We love to end our episodes with a quote. And I feel like this Maya Angelou one fits perfectly with what we've talked about. Success is liking yourself, liking what you do, and liking how you do it. So let's like this next week of our individual Grit and Grace lives. You guys, somehow next week is finally the end of 2020. You will want to make sure you tune in. Darlene and I are going to be talking about how we can actually reset as we close out this year. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project. Whether you're listening in Apple, Spotify, or streaming somewhere else, be sure to subscribe and review so you never miss an upcoming episode. You can also share this episode with a friend you think might enjoy living a Grit and Grace life with us, or share us in your social media and tag us. Every week we share all the details of what we discussed at our website, gritandgracelife.com. We'll catch you on the next one.